Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blind Leading the Blind podcast. Uh, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And we are glad you decided to take a minute of your time and listen to what sort of nonsense we're going to allow to fall out of our mouth, basically, here. (laughs) (laughs) It's who we are. We are Blind Leading the Blind. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us, there are a lot of places to do that. Indeed. Uh, One of those is our email, which is blindpod, that's B-L-I-N-D-P-O-D, at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Facebook for as as long as they allow us to still be there. (laughs) No current political commentary allowed at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Who knows what's going to happen next. Um, And that is at uh, first name, uh, Blind Leading, last name, The Blind. Yep. Um, And so take a look. Every every once in a while we post stuff, that's kind of where we initially throw our uh, podcasts along with Anchor, uh, yep. through anchor.fm. Yep, that's the hosting site, anchor.fm. Um, also, uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, Spotify. Spotify. Google Podcasts. Yep. Uh, what's, the, what's the one? Uh, Pocket, is it Pocket Cast? I think it is Pocket Cast. Uh, I'm yeah, not sure. It might be right. There's like seven platforms. If you go to anchor.fm uh, slash blind pod, I, I think. think. I think. Uh, anyway, you could search us on there, and it'll tell you all the different places it's distributed. You could also find us on Instagram. I don't post a whole lot on Instagram. Um, I usually throw little funny pictures up every time we release an episode. Um, just uh, put it out that, hey, this week's episode is live. Uh, we do, by the way, love your feedback. Had some this week. Yes, it's had, been fantastic. Had somebody ask a question like, I didn't ever really think of numbers 11 quite like that. Really? Yes. I, I didn't get that one. That was Chuck. He sent it to me personally because oh, okay. obviously he didn't want you involved in the conversation. Well, yeah, he doesn't like but, me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he said, I, I, I just, I never understood that, basically. And then so. we had somebody uh, send us an email and said that we need to develop a uh, Spotify playlist that is specific to you and I, uh, some of our favorite music. Isn't that interesting? Um, thanks, Nate, for the suggestion. Huh. Um, so yeah, uh, apparently you can build a public playlist that anyone can say, Hey, what does blind leading the blind enjoy listening to? And so they can check out our playlist. So, so that's something that we should, we, we might, might need to do. While it would all be, you know, uh, appropriate in Christian music, it would certainly be diverse anyway. Yeah. Because we have unusual tastes oh, yeah. between us and within us. There would definitely be some snarky puppy in there. I believe so. <laughs> if you haven't had a chance, yeah, take a look at Snarky Puppy. That is just too much fun. Uh, most of the members are Christians. They are not labeled as a Christian band. Uh, they are an instrumental, jazz instrumental band. Um, I don't even know if I'd call it jazz. It, it is jazzy, but it's it's just an, an instrumental band. Uh, most of them are Christians. they got... But came together in a church worship band, but fantastic, fantastic musicianship. It's uh, it's fun to watch, and if it, just as a description, I, I kind of call it Steely Dan meets Chicago, and then just <laughs> goes out for an afternoon in the playground, <laughs> and that's what it is. So, oh, and, that's my phone, I and that's I a ding indicating that Mr. Workman has now received some sort of message, perhaps from above or a higher power, Laura. <laughs> Workman, uh, unless unless Evan Campbell is a uh, higher power, well, you have to be sensitive to the spirits. Yeah, 
<laughs> Thanks for sending me a text, Evan. Uh, <laughs> and he just received it, so you, he can't deny that he never saw it. I did. He sent me a message about a, su a suggestion for a song for us to do on Sunday mornings. Oh, how about that? Okay. For those of you that don't know, Chris and I are both part of the worship team at B Ministries. True story. He plays guitar. He sings. I play keyboards and am asked not to sing. <laughs> Although the one time you did sing was pretty fantastic. I don't, what did I, when, where, Christmas. what? You sang a Christmas song. Oh, yes, I did. What was that? I don't remember now. Was I, it uh, Walking into Winter Wonderland? I, it might have been. No, it wasn't that. It was something else. It was an old standard. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You had your uh, Frank Sinatra I, crooner, I, I, I crooner was crooning. I was crooning big time. Yeah. yeah. All right, so before we get into uh, the subject tonight, uh, I want to throw out an... I, you know, sometimes we have fun and interesting things that we talk about uh the one of them was the monkey no no climb tree yeah the, the exploding yep. fruit um i have one this week that is I, I found to be fairly interesting uh across the world most toilets flush in the key of an e flat you that's interesting yes it is I, Perhaps we should actually test that out. We we can. I have a guitar tuner on my phone. I was going to say I, we can get I, a sound I, generator. I, I think after I think after we get done recording this, we should go into your bathroom and I can get my tuner out and see if it flushes at a key at an E flat. Oh, that's an excellent idea. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how they found that out or why they found that out. I don't know who who came who was bored enough to do that, but apparently. Quarantine's been rough on everybody. <laughs> Perhaps they were in the bathroom tuning their guitar, and they flushed, and they found that, oh, looky there, I'll it, be darned. It is possible. Bathrooms make some of the best recording spaces on the face of the planet. They certainly, certainly do. Uh, okay, anything else important we need to throw out you before know, we get started? You know, really, other than I was bored, and I found this thing called Reface, and it is so incredibly creepy. <laughs> Reface. It's called Reface. Um, and unfortunately, what you do is it puts your face on a famous scene, perhaps, from a movie or someplace else. <laughs> is that your face? That is my face on Forrest Gump in his button-up shirt running out of the stadium or running out across Bro, the football field. You throw that up on Facebook I will. for other people to see. I'll throw that one. And then um, because we're I'll show this one to Chris so that he, he understands. He, I sent him this one, but I don't think he got it. That's my face. I didn't get it. Jack Nicholson. I, I was shiny. wondering who the guy was. Me. I was like, I don't know who that is. That doesn't look like you. Who is that creepy old guy? Oh, oh my goodness, that's hilarious. Here's Johnny. Yeah. So it's uh, we'll we'll put those up there so you can see. We get closer to the holiday. I have a couple of Christmas ones. Yeah. But it may be even creepier than what I just looked at. Your I'm, face on Santa. Oh my. Maybe we should do my face. I have a beard. Dude, yeah. Maybe we should do my face on Santa. That would work. By the way, uh, I have a hair appointment. On Wednesday, I'm getting a haircut, my beard trimmed. Bro, I don't look like a homeless man anymore. <laughs> for the men in our listening audience, hey, listen. I apologize for the, the phrase hair appointment. Hey, listen, I'm going to the barber shop on okay. Wednesday. Okay. It has to be by appointment because of the virus. Oh, therefore, I it is a hair appointment. It is. I apologize it, it for is, hurting your testosterone. It, it is a hair. I have so little left that I just, you know, <laughs> it gets stepped on so easily. <laughs> it's, it's so bad I have to cut my own hair, which I haven't done in like two months, and it's looking like it. Oh my gosh, I almost fell out of the yeah. chair on that one. <laughs> so, wow. What do you want to talk about, Mr. Warren? <laughs> oh, there are so many things. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> that is appropriate, on topic, and perhaps could be made into a podcast. Yeah. All right. So, um, so Mike and I have been talking recently about uh, how psychology has infiltrated the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I think we're going to start going down that road, uh, and this is more than likely going to turn into another series. I've had several people say that they actually enjoyed the series and the fact that it was a series. I don't know why, but uh, so. But yeah, this is probably because it's a big deal. It's a big, big, long, thick, deep subject, and um, it's probably going to be at least a three-part series, if not more. Yeah, I understand too. The old guy in this, which would be me. Um, sees this obviously as an infiltration in the church, but it comes from society in general. Um, I can remember when I was a kid, there was really no such thing as lots of people going to psychologists. If you went to get help with something in the emotional, mental realm, it was a psychiatrist, an MD doctor. So we'll start with it there and let Chris kind of kind of lay some groundwork. You're allowing me to lay groundwork. That's scary. Um, <clears throat> Don't ask me to pour the footer. <laughs> uh, so, I guess I'll throw a question out for us. To, that's terrible, isn't it? Uh, okay. For, for those of you listening, Wilson and I very often drink uh, hot tea whilst we are doing the podcast. And uh, normally we have some sort of uh, herbal goodness and honey. He brought out some tea today that we tried out. What was it again? It's black cherry berry. <laughs> and black that is not related to Mary Berry in no. any way, shape, or form. And, uh, <laughs> Never mind. Black cherry berry. Yeah. It's a new character. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, he's going to have his, his work cut out for him when he edits this little puppy. <laughs> but it's it's one of those, I don't even know what that was, Celestial Seasonings, I think, puts it out. Mm-hmm. It's in a fruit tea sampler packet, and it is absolutely... Uh, not good when it's warm, and as it cools, it gets horrific. <laughs> you know, if this makes me go to the bathroom, I'm going to be doubly disappointed. You know, it's one of those deals where it doesn't taste terrible; it just tastes like Kool Aid. Yeah, it tastes like lukewarm, not enough sugar, right. Kool Aid. Right, and it's really not great. Um, it's kind of like the communion juice in the Church of Christ. To be honest, it's not far from it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh man! All right. On point. Got that out of the way. So, psychology, right? I want to ask a question, and we can leave this as a floating question throughout this series, and perhaps we will arrive at an answer towards the end. Uh, What would psychology look like if Jesus were the Lord of psychology? Wow. Wow. What would psychology look like if Jesus were the God over psychology? I'm, I'm pondering a whole, a <laughs> we don't whole have list to answer of things, now. but I'm just, I know, I, it's, but I'm, yeah, but it's we'll some, get there. It's something to think about and let float as we go through this, because I would venture to say that if Jesus were to have anything to say about modern psychology... Uh, I have a feeling that his answer would be, you don't need to exist. I have the answer. Yes. Uh, but that's 
that's just my opinion. And we will we we will venture that direction as we go forward. So um, so now remember I said that psychology had infiltrated the church. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? Because that sounds like a pretty nasty term, infiltrated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, before modern psychology, there was none, um, and the church and Jesus and God is where everyone went to get their emotional and psychological needs met. Out of probably an awareness that they had emotional and what we would refer to as psychological needs, and they wanted, and they knew that something was not how they wanted it to be. Mm, that's a good way to put it, how they didn't want it to be. Um, we'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so basically, let's do a real quick rundown of how this happened. So, so modern psychology came along uh, in the late 1800s, right? Yes. And what had happened was they had produced a ridiculous amount of stuff. They produced uh, just absolutely profound scientific accounts of human beings uh, and developed complex and somewhat weird and befuddled ways of dealing with psychological problems. Here's the key, though. It was without God. Yes. Without God. Um, and so now because you have an outside source showing massive amounts of knowledge and to some degree results right. in those days uh, and then what happened was rather than the Bible being enough to answer the questions about your psychology uh, so let me back up so we have this group of people formulating all these ideas and, and producing all of this knowledge, in air quotes, about the human condition, about the human mind, about why we are the way we are and how we do and why we do the things we do. And so there's this giant pile of knowledge that just keeps getting bigger over here. And the church is going, wait a minute, all these people are turning to these outside people and not to us, mm-hmm. right? God used to be the answer for this stuff. Why isn't it anymore? Mm-hmm. And so the church was in sort of a crisis because you had mass amounts of people giving up their faith in God because over here, I don't need that mystical God thing anymore. Now I've got psychology because they have proof. They have physical, tangible knowledge and proof about why I am the way I am and also how to fix it. But what proof do they have? Well, we'll, we'll get there. But I, I'm just sort of laying the ground for, mm-hmm. for how we ended up in this situation. And so you have all these people who are going, I don't need God anymore. I've got psychology. They have physical, tangible proof about why I am the way I am. And they're smarter than you. All you have is the Bible. And so then you have to ask the question, isn't the Bible enough? isn't God enough? Uh, and if not, why? Right? Uh, so, so now we've come to a place where psychology and the Christian church and the Bible are at odds with one another. Mm-hmm. And so rather than the church saying, that's fine if they want to have that knowledge, and by the way, there's psychology in the Bible... You just called it something else, but 
but it's been here all along. Instead of taking theology to psychology and saying, hey, this in the Bible is the same thing that you have, but it comes from God. Mm-hmm. Stop taking credit for it. Right. Right. Instead, what they did was they took psychology and brought it to the Bible. And tried to lay psychology on top of and filter and filter God's word through psychology. Instead of the other way around. Instead of the other way around. Right. I, I want to back up for one second. Go for it. Do you suppose with the onset of this and... and, and at this point, I don't even want to get into why are we seeking knowledge about psychology? What is it that causes us to want to do that besides valuing yeah, ourselves? Yeah, we'll get into that later. Blah. Did these conditions, and I'm using air quotes here, did these disorders, these conditions, these things that psychology was identifying, did they not exist before the onset of psychology, before the formation, before the concept of psychology came about? Well, of course they did. Right. In in the early days of psychology, uh, the solution to your problem might have been drilling a hole in the side of your head. Absolutely. Uh, it might have been taking a hammer and cracking your skull. It mm-hmm. might have been uh, putting leeches all over your body and sucking the demons out of you. Yeah. Right? That was that was their version of psychology. Yes. Right? Uh, bloodletting, but well, not in the 1800s. Before that, there was bloodletting in the in the medieval ages. Uh-huh. Um, there's been psychology. The Greeks did some crazy stuff with psychology, mm-hmm. right? But they never called it psychology. A lot of what a lot a lot of these things were treated medically. Mm-hmm. Um, emotional personality sort of things were treated medically because someone had determined that they needed to be treated. Hmm. Well, well, now, now, how in the world, (laughs) how in the world would someone take an emotional thing and treat it as if it's a medical problem? Who would be that stupid? Oh, it's, but if you, I I can, I can make it dance all day and make it not seem stupid. Let, let me say this. Let's take somebody in the Civil War. Okay. This is, this is really prior to the onset of psychology. Okay. Today, someone who is absolutely bat crazy, completely ready to attack at any moment and like a wild banshee, go after his enemy. I mean, just go after him. People who enjoy confrontation, people who look for fights, they see confrontation and and battles to win everywhere they look. During the Civil War, what did you do with that person? You put that dude in the army. <laughs> you out front. You will scare people, dude. Oh, by the way, the Vikings did that too. Oh yeah, as a as a race. As a, well, no, I'm saying as a, yeah. so. So that type of person was uh, heralded and as being a, a an amazing person in Viking culture, right? And made use of their abilities. Well, we'll get there too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah because I use that word advisedly. Yeah. Well, so the Viking, it, you, it's funny you pick that type of person because with with Viking culture, they actually went so far as to rather than give them some sort of medicine to turn that switch off, they went and found some crazy drugs to make them trip. And, and by Amped trip, it up. and by trip, I mean like. Like taking acid, trip, like going on a trip, getting high. But it was like speed. And they would give it to these guys, and they gave them a new name. They called them berserkers. 
and these guys would be going absolutely insane on the battlefield. Sometimes they died from it. Yes. But no one said that's bad. Right. As a matter of fact, they said, good, we need people like you. That is a good trait. Yeah. Also, in the Civil War, if you had someone who was ready to go to confrontation, ready to fight at all times, excited to go to battle, that's the guy you put out front. And you said, good, we need people like you. Now, what about people who are constantly thinking about death, constantly thinking about what's going to happen when I die? What's going to happen when you die? Why does things die? Why do we, you know what I mean? Someone Mm -hmm. who's constantly sorrowful and thinking about death and the Mm -hmm. throes of death and about all this morbid stuff, right? What did they do with those people? Let me back half a step up. Okay. Because I'm the backup sorry, guy sorry, evidently sorry, tonight. Sorry. We're jumping. I'm jumping way ahead already. He, sorry. He used the word sorrowful. That's assuming that that person whose deep considerations of death made them sorrowful. It may not have. It may have been just what they do. This is on my mind. Have you ever known somebody that would chase a rabbit down a hole? Oh yeah, there's two of them sitting in front of you talking into a <laughs> talking into can on yonder wall. Um, but <laughs> that'd be you and I. Yeah, and but it's not we would perceive that person as doing something weird or strange or wrong. That person's deep intellectual interest in what went on, and I'm using the word intellectual advisedly because Chris just had the giant twitch in his head, um, is useful. If that intellectual part of it is attuned with what God is doing, can he use his ability to read and look at what the Bible says about death and about dying? And there was a whole industry in the 70s about dying. Uh, oh, I can't believe I remember her name. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross went an umlaut over to U, um, and, and she had the, the five stages of dying. And we use those five stages for everything now. Yep, the stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Grief, acceptance, denial, anger, all yep. those things. Yep. So the reason I, I went and said that specific example. Now, guys, we're going to go in another episode. We're going to go into specific disorders, what psychologists and psychiatrists would deem disorders. And we, we're going to go into some of them specifically and talk about how they might be useful rather than being called a disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I trust me, guys, we understand the reason, we understand that we're picking a fight here with this. We understand that, by the way, when I tried to search on the internet, I gave up. I tried to search and find someone who had a point of view that disagreed with psychology. It took almost four days of searching the internet before I found it. Mm-hmm. And I had to reword how I was asking the question to Google in order to find it. Interesting. And the only thing I, the only subject heading I was able to search to find it was Christianity versus psychology. 
Interesting. The only way you can find an opposing opinion in this world today is to ask the question, what if these two were going against each other? Mm -hmm. So that apparently is the worldview, that Christianity and psychology is against each other. However, anyway. Let let me throw in here too. My shirt's coming off. Just yeah, we're so we gonna get. <laughs> we're gonna have to calm down and stay organized on this. Otherwise, yeah. we're gonna bounce all over the place. We're not picking a fight with you. No, not in. Not, if not. if you are in the care of a psychologist, I, I'm not picking a fight with you. I'm not calling you a bad person. I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. I want, however, for you to see. A, a description of this in a way that you may have never, ever considered it. Yeah. There may be options that you know nothing about. Yes. If you are a person who has gotten an education in the field of psychology or psychiatry, and you think, oh, who are these buffoons out here running their mouth, right? I'm sorry, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But by the end of this episode, we will have gotten to uh, the point that Mike and I are going to make on this first episode. Um, and hopefully that will be enough for you. Um, if not, feel free to contact us. We gave you the email. Right. I'm not afraid of confrontation. Well, but And understand, we have a, a good friend who is a Christian psychologist. True story. Um, so anyway, before we get too, too into this and too confrontational, my hands are twitching. I guess I'm one of those people I like to fight. Um, so, <laughs> the reason I said death specifically when I said people who are enthralled and sort of Good almost word. obsessed with death, right? Um, some of my favorite authors uh, on the face of the earth were people who were completely uh, consumed and enthralled with death and everything morbid. Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Shakespeare, mm-hmm. uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, mm-hmm. right? Three of the world's largest and, and most well-known authors. If you look into their life history, they were obsessed with a morbid curiosity of life. Um, and what was beyond. It, yeah, and what was on the other side. Mark Twain as one. Yeah. Um, and so, I guess the point to saying that, and the, the both of the examples that we just and we're just touching on this right now we'll go deep into it later but just because someone who has a piece of paper in a frame on a wall behind a desk says that the way that you are is not okay it needs to be fixed they have declared that it is not normal right just because someone says that doesn't mean that that's true they may have spent lots of money on an education mm-hmm. and amassed lots of, I'll use air quotes, knowledge. And debt. Um, and debt, yes. To have that piece of paper that says that they know more than you do uh, about emotional health uh, and uh, brain health, right? And so my, my point, uh, the point that we're driving at, that we're go- heading towards... Is that, well, I guess we need to ask some questions. Let's. Who gets to decide what normal is? And how did some high and lofty group of people decide that they knew what normal looked like? 
Well, I do because I'm the only one that's inside feeling this. No, 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 no. That's that's on a it's on an emotional level. What I'm asking is the people who are teaching psychology, the people who developed the pseudoscience of psychology, right? How did they come up with what normal looks like? Oh, there's a whole... By the way, I was being very facetious with that last... <laughs> I'm normal because I'm on the inside of it looking at it. Stop no. pounding the cup! <laughs> I like to pound things. The no, cup is... No, okay, because then you make it make noise on the microphone. Look, see that? That's all you pounding on the cup. I'm sorry. Is <laughs> there <laughs> so any way we can use this disorder of mine? <laughs> um... That's the, first, when, that, that's the okay. first question I want to ask okay. is, is who decided what normal was and how did they decide? To me and in my understanding, uh -huh. when they were gathering together all this knowledge about behaviors that they viewed as different or abnormal, mm -hmm. they said, well, we have to find a way to, to describe these. So, as intellectual, lofty, brained people do, they come up with a term for each one. Well, this person is sad all the time, so they must be, what's a good word, depressed. Or this person experiences a series of highs and lows. They're manic one moment, and they're, and they're just down in the dumps the next, so they're a manic depressive, or that's so bipolar. Come up with names so that you can categorize other people with a similar set of behaviors. It's about pigeonholing people. Right, so, so what they did was they said, the majority of people are not like this, right? So that is our baseline of normal. Yes. Is that the majority of people don't have these crazy uh, extreme points on one end or the other. They just have a midline, they're okay. Sure, everyone experiences anger sometimes. Sure, everyone gets sad sometimes. Sure, everyone has some weird, crazy thoughts every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Emotional mm -hmm. highs and downs. Mm -hmm. Hormones have a lot to do with that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But they're not extreme. They stay in the in in a in a zone, right? And so we will define that as normal. Mm -hmm. And so anybody else who does not fit in this boring middle section. From 40 to 60. Sorry, I let that out of the bag a little too soon. My bad. Um, so people who don't go outside of the lines ever, we will call them normal. That's what they did. And then everyone else who doesn't fit into that middle lane is abnormal, mm -hmm. not normal. Mm -hmm. So then they said, let's put all these not normal people over here. And everyone who shares similar characteristics, we'll put them in the same basket. We'll put all these different groups of people in the same basket and we'll label it as a certain condition so that we can organize things and we can say everybody in their own place, right? Mm -hmm. So then, go ahead. No, you leaned in. I was going to say why. Right. <laughs> so that we could have proof that we are right. Mm -hmm. Because all it takes... Think, what's the most common sentence uttered in today's society before any evidence of proof is shown? What is the sentence that is said? I feel? No. Studies have proven. Oh. <laughs> studies 
have proven that XYZ is true, right? All it takes to qualify as a study mm. is to organize a few things into certain places and say, see, look, I studied it and look what I found. That's I have proof. And that's all that means. That's all it takes. That's all it means. And it really doesn't prove anything other than the fact that you have the ability to organize things into different groups and categories. Wait a minute. That sounds like a disorder. Mm. Well, no, no, no. That's a skill. Oh, my bad. That's a skill. Um, <laughs> so why on earth would they do that then? Right? So the first question we asked is, who decided what normal was and how did they decide? Well, that's how they did it right there. We just explained it. Next question is, why, why would you want to put an emphasis on what is not normal and categorize it into certain positions or conditions? Right? Why? What would be the purpose of doing that? Simplicity, ease of treatment. Okay, hold on. I got. Let me rephrase the question. What are you setting them up for? What is your end goal? Where are you going with this? Why would you separate all these people and say, well, you have bipolar and you have manic depressive disorder. You're depressed. Uh, you're schizophrenic. You're obsessive compulsive disorder. You are XYZ, whatever. Why would you put all these baskets out, put people with similar things into these baskets, label them all up, line them all up in nice neat rows so that you know where everyone's at, what category that they fit into? Why would you do that? Is there a sense here of trying to normalize those people that perhaps are on the fringes? Those people that don't fit in that center category. Well, how, what can we do to make them like the rest of us? Mm. So, you have decided as the group of pseudo-scientists called mm -hmm. psychologists, mm -hmm. you have decided what normal is. You have decided what is abnormal mm -hmm. based on your studies, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now that you have everybody categorized mm -hmm. and you have everybody in their own basket and you have told them that they are not right. Yes. You are not okay. It's not okay that you're not normal. See, here's the problem. You had, first you took it upon yourself to decide what normal was. Then you took it upon yourself to ostracize everyone who doesn't fit into that basket and tell them that it's not okay that you're not like everyone else. That that's not okay. What gives you the right to tell anyone that they're not okay? I know more about this topic than they do. Mm, right. I've studied it. Right. I've made it my life's work. Right. You decided <laughs> that all this knowledge that you've gained about emotional health, you've decided that you know what's normal and what's not. You know what the not normal people need to be normal. Mm -hmm. Here's a question. Why would not normal people need to be normal? So that life, my life is easier. I don't have to deal with people that aren't like me. 
I want to, I want to, and I don't know if we've talked about this in a podcast, but I'm pretty sure we have. Are emotions bad? No, not at all. We're talking about behaviors that arise out of what people feel in large measure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll deal with the chemical stuff later. We'll get there. Okay, don't worry about that part. We'll get there. So, okay. I guess we're laying foundational stuff here. I need to keep myself in check. Mm -hmm. Um, So... At some point, you had the church, and they went, you know, David was depressed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Saul was depressed. Saul was a little more than depressed. <laughs> Saul is probably what you would define as a basket case, right? <laughs> uh, John the Baptist was crazy. Yep. People literally thought he was crazy. They called him crazy, yeah. right? Um, pretty sure Jesus would have been labeled suicidal. Moses was mocked. Noah, mm-hmm. building a giant ship in the middle of a desert, basically. Makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> right. Because some imaginary sky god is talking to him. Yes. Right? Yes. My point is, you would have... Let me back up first. Life would be boring... If everyone fit into the middle lane of normal. Yes. Right. And throughout history, all of the greatest thinkers, the greatest artists, the greatest musicians, Mm -hmm. the greatest explorers, Mm -hmm. the greatest conquerors, the greatest developers, Mm -hmm. anyone who is ever the greatest at what they do in the history of our planet was not in the normal field. They were on an extreme, sometimes back and forth on extremes. Yes. And most of, I would venture to say, any person you can think of that was great at what they did, any Mm -hmm. person from a history book that you can pull out, guarantee, guarantee, according to psychology, they would have a disorder. Oh, absolutely. And uh, inventors. I was just mentally right. writing, jotting them down a day or two ago. Just inventors in alone. Their Edison couldn't pay attention in school. Einstein couldn't get math. Can you imagine Einstein not understanding math? I think it might have been how it was taught. I'm just guessing. I don't um, know. It's um, Tesla as as a supreme example of someone who was just way out there on the edge. But these people were the ones that took the risks. That were out front mm-hmm. doing things that weren't normal. Mm-hmm. In fact, they weren't even satisfied with normal. Yeah. So, we kind of went down a rabbit hole there. But... Drag me back. So, no, I, I, I led the way on that one. <laughs> um, so, you had these psychologist people who were bringing lots and lots and lots of proof to the table of how our knowledge that we've gained is true. One of the schools of thought, by the way, guys, um, there are multiple within the Christian world. If you go to college at a Christian university for psychology, right, and you you become a Christian psychologist. Okay, is that a thing nowadays? It is. Okay. So that, that's where we're going to get to at the end of this episode. Um, 
But if you go to do that, there are multiple, about four or five different schools of thought on biblical psychology mm -hmm. or how psychology and theology hold hands, how mm. they meet up, where mm. they meet up, mm -hmm. in what ways does theology prop up psychology, in what ways does psychology confirm theology, right? Wow. <clears throat> um, we've come to a place where instead of the church saying, the Bible is the ultimate authority on the human condition on how and what to do with any and all problems in this life mm -hmm. and that God created you. He created your mind. He developed that <clears throat> uniqueness within you um, and he knows what to do with it. Instead of the church holding true to the truths that are in the Bible, what has happened is they've went and said, hey, psychology, won't you come over here into the church and uh, help us out? Because right now, all this tangible proof that you have, all this practical, tangible, intelligent proof and knowledge that you've developed, we need that in the church because all we have is the Bible and God. Right? Mm -hmm. And so now, if you flip on a sermon <clears throat> in today's society, most of what you're going to hear uh, in most places, particularly if they're popular, um, is going to be modern psychology infused with a little bit of theology being taught from the pulpit. And also, in almost every single church that has over a thousand people attending, I, I would be willing to bet money that there is an office somewhere in that church that is labeled counselor. Absolutely. Now, whether or not that person is a an avowed psychologist. Well, interesting. I had a friend of mine who uh, recently started attending a different church. And um, <laughs> they told me that one of the things they really liked about their church, their, their new church that they started attending, was that there was a Christian counselor or psychologist on staff there. Wow. Um, and that that was really helpful to deal with people's problems in the congregation, marriage wow. counselings, um, people that had depression issues, people that had, you know, problems, and that it was really nice that they had someone uh, who had went to school for psychology who was also a Christian who could use that skill to help counsel people within their church. Oh, my goodness gracious. <clears throat> you do know that, that a great deal of, of psychotherapy is basically validation through circular reasoning. Um. If you come in and you describe to me how sad you are, mm -hmm. and I am your psychologist, as a professional psychologist, I will tell you, well, you're depressed. <clears throat> now, what will you go out of that meeting thinking? You'll go out of there thinking, oh, I'm depressed. <clears throat> and my reinforcement of your depression does nothing to help your depression. It's simply... All you did was identify what the problem was. Ingrains it and gives it a name now that you've got a name to talk about. 
And that's pretty much all it does. Right. Um, all you did was identify what the problem was. Right. And... Uh, what do you want me to do? Look at you and go, oh, just think happy thoughts. It'll be fine. Well, okay. So I didn't think we were going to get here in this episode, but okay. Let's do about two minutes here. Okay. Maybe seven. So I have in my life I made some horrible decisions, and I have led to places where I was very depressed. Ditto. Um, and I was having terrible thoughts. I couldn't sleep. I had nightmares. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to eat anything. Mm -hmm. I was, by all mm -hmm. accounts, clinically depressed. Yes. The definition of clinical depression. And I knew that I was depressed. Mm -hmm. I recognized all of the signs. I knew that I was depressed. And so I went to my pastor at the time <clears throat> and I said, I need help. I'm depressed. And he said, okay, why are you depressed? And I said, well, because I did this, 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 and this, and it caused this, this, this to happen. And I'm really upset about it. And it's ruining my life. He said, okay, that's a good reason to be depressed. You're not wrong to be upset. Right. You should be. That's right. terrible. But, as, as a lot of pastors like to say, but God. <laughs> right? <laughs> but God is bigger than that. But God can fix that. Right? And so he helped me to understand that if I take all of that stuff that I was experiencing and take it to God and say, hey, I don't know what to do with this and it's ruining my life and I, 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 can't, I can't even focus on you in any way, shape, or form, the you being God, mm -hmm. because I'm too, upset, I'm too concerned with all of this stuff and it's making me feel sad and it's making me feel angry and I don't want to eat and I can't sleep and I don't want to talk to anybody. And uh, God, what do I do? You know what God did? What did God do? I sat down and I went to the Word and I said, what is in this book is the truth. Somewhere in here has to be the answer because God is the answer. Mm -hmm. The truth is the answer. So I went to the Word and I, I found a scripture that had the answer. And that scripture said to take every thought captive and make it submit to the will or to the truth of Christ, right? And so I took my depressive thoughts and I took the things that I was seeing with my eyes and feeling with my feelings and they were true, but I submitted them to the truth of God. And so I had to step back and go, okay, what is true? Am I a worthless human being? Am I really? What's God's word say? What's the truth? Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is that God said that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That God created me for a reason, for a purpose. And he created me as I am for a purpose. So no, I'm not worthless. God says I have worth and I have value. Okay, check that one off the list. Um, I'm really sad. Why am I sad? Well, you're sad because you screwed up. You made a mistake. Well, does that mean that I can't go to God now? Does that mean that I lost the value that God said I had? There you go. No. There you go. Right? And I went through this process of here's my problem. What does the truth say about it? What is truth versus what I'm feeling? 
right? And so I had to take all of those things and submit them to what truth is. I call it running it through a truth filter. Mm -hmm. Any emotion that you have, anything you feel, any thought that you have, run it through the filter of truth in the Bible and find out what does the Bible say about that. And then you will arrive at truth because one of the schools of thought I was talking about earlier about psychology and Christianity is that all truth is God's truth. So if you discover something that is a truth, then that is God's truth because God is truth. And so if you discover something that is true, that must be from God. Really? Oh, oh yeah. That's one of the schools of thought and it's taught that way. Wow. Yeah. And so people say, well, isn't all truth God truth? Well, no, it isn't. What you have to do is if you discover something that's true, you then have to run it through the truth of God and the truth mm -hmm. of the Bible mm -hmm. and see if it's still true. Mm -hmm. Right? So it was very true that I was depressed and it was very true and very real that I was extremely distraught and upset. But I ran all of that, those truths through the truth of the Bible and I went, none of those things are true anymore. Right? All of the answers for everything that you need in life are found in God, in mm -hmm. his word. Mm -hmm. Isn't that enough? For those of us that believe in God and have faith in what he does and has done and is doing, yes, it is. It, 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 it is enough. It can be enough. If there are people who are listening, and I don't know why I'm going to have to say this, but evidently I have to because it's not leaving my head at all. If you're experiencing all kinds of psychological turmoil and you do not believe in God, get a hold of us. Um, I recognize that that's a... When Chris was talking, Chris was fortunate because when he was in that dark place, he still knew about God. When I was in that dark place, laying in the tub considering, well, do I just go get a knife now? Do I literally, folks, quite literally. Yep. Um, Been there too. Yeah. I didn't have God. Yes, I grew up with God. Yes, I went to Bible college, blah, blah, blah. But I rejected all of that. I made the choice to reject all that. So there I was in this hugely hideous dark place with no God. I know what it feels like. God at that moment, unbeknownst to me, started to work a series of miracles with people who were not even really believers. All that wound up so that I am here in Marion, Ohio, and I wound up in a homeless shelter where people believe truly what God can do and showed me that. And that's why I'm sitting here talking to you. Yep. The, so don't get discouraged if you don't believe that God can do it. Get a hold of your pastor. Get a hold of, of people in a body of Christ. Get a hold of us if you don't have any of those. We, we would love to talk with you uh, because we understand it. And we understand what psychology can do to interfere with what God is wanting to do. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And if not, then let us know and we'll try and sort it out. So real quick before we end, uh, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. Um. And this pretty much paints a picture of our viewpoint 
all the things that we've been driving towards here, the groundwork we've been laying for this is to let you know where we're coming from, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because we're going to go down this long road, probably be several episodes long, and it's important that you know where we are coming from. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, and it will hopefully give you an idea of where we're at, okay? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Through His power, God has granted us granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness mm -hmm. through the true knowledge of Christ. He goes on to specify that this gift consists of God's precious and magnificent promises, which, of course, are contained in his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Mm -hmm. That's just a couple, okay? We could go on, but that's a good starting point for our viewpoint so that you, the listener, understands where we, Mike and I, are coming from, okay? Um, I will say this as well. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, <laughs> somewhere around 22, 23-ish, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, right? That whole thing describes an emotionally balanced and psychologically stable person. If God's Word and His Spirit can produce that then why do we need to turn to psychology? Absolutely. And prior to that in Galatians 5 are the fruits of the flesh, which are just a whole litany of what people today would call psychological problems, which prevent us from being in the spirit. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully that paints a picture of where we're going to go. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have several episodes. I know that there are several articles that Mike and I are going to reference and might possibly read through. Some of them, a couple of them are really neat. They have a lot of interesting questions that uh, sort of open up a lot of boxes that we can unpack. Um, but that's where we're going to go. I uh, hope you enjoy it. If you have questions, comments, concerns, you have the email, you can send us an email. Uh, please do. In any way that you can find to get a hold of us, just just go right ahead because we're we're happy and willing and whatever whatever you need. Yep. We're we do this in part because at times in our lives we've struggled with these things. We do this because it's a very difficult uh, set of topics uh, for many Christians to work their way through. In fact, a lot of people are not even aware that there is a dichotomy between a conflict between uh, psychology and, uh, and, and, and Christianity, yep. real, true Christianity. Yeah. So that's where we're just trying to, trying to shine the light on some things. I think next episode we should start with talking about some things that you and I have seen firsthand, up close and personal about how the Bible's solution to psychological problems mm -hmm. uh, is completely sufficient. Yes. And we've seen it play out, not just in my life and your life, but 
I could literally line people up around the block. Yes. We could just put them out there in the hallway, one by one, walk them in here into the spacious confines of Studio B. Yeah, we didn't say it this time. No, We didn't say it. You missed it. Uh, But, hey, I hope that you guys are are getting something out of this. I hope you're excited to go down this road. Uh, Yeah, go... Go find someone to bless. Tell your friends. Share this with somebody. Yeah. If you if you know people that, that are struggling with whether psychology is the right answer or God is the right answer or whatever, then yeah, let them, let them know we're going down this road. Um, we're not trying to be D-bags. We're trying to offer an alternate solution than what the world says. Yeah, exactly. So, like the man said, go find somebody to bless, um, and we will talk to you again. Love you. Bye. Bye.